Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Dubai is Dr. Ashraf Kamal al-Din, who is CEO of Hakama, which is a governance institute serving the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, Ashraf Kamal, first of all, thank you for taking the time to talk to us uh, today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, our pleasure as well. So let's dive right in. How do governance structures in the Gulf Cooperation Council region compare to the structures in Europe or the United States? Um, well, I would say actually that the, the governance structure in the region is not really very different from what you see in a, a typical Anglo-Saxon uh, governance model, if you like. So in that respect, you do have you know, the uh, AGM uh, uh, who elects the board of directors of companies, and then the board is in charge of appointing the CEO. Um, uh, although in some companies we have seen that they have what we call it an executive committee and in some companies that executive committee acting like an executive board. So in, in uh, while on paper it's supposed to be a single board structure, in reality actually it might be uh, closer to the dual board structure. And that's why in the latest version of the UE code for corporate governance for listed companies, uh, they do mention the, the dual board structure and, 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 and how it should be structured and so on. Uh, now, audit committees report to, the, to the, uh, the, the audit function report to the audit committee of the board. However, we have something a little bit unique in the region. In Saudi Arabia, they do have a regulation which mentions that uh, audit committee members have to be elected from the shareholders. So, so audit committee is not appointed by the board, but rather elected by uh, the shareholders. And it may or may not actually have, you know, uh, uh, full members of the board. So they might have people from outside the board elected by the shareholders or some shareholders put themselves on that audit committee. So the, I would say this is really the key difference that we have. But in the rest of it, it's really very straightforward. Interesting difference there. Um, I imagine it makes for very different structure and how the audit committee operates in terms of its independence. Now, what are some of the key legal and regulatory issues boards in the GCC region uh, tend to focus on? Uh, well, I mean, recently in the last couple of years, what we had, uh, what we have seen, which I think it's actually it's a positive thing, is, is some boards have been prosecuted for uh, 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 poor practices. Uh, some people have been indicted and, and uh, even uh, penalized for their wrongdoings and, and their carelessness on the board of directors. So now what's happening is, legally speaking, boards are focusing on director liability as, as their key sort of concerns. So they are concerned about how liable we are as board of directors. And, and we see this in questions because we interact with lots of boards in the region. So uh, board members usually ask, you know, am I liable if this happens? Suppose the information uh, the, uh, on the financial statements were not really accurate. Suppose, uh, um, you know, the CEO has done something wrong. Are we liable for that? Um, so, so we can see that the key question they are asking is about their, uh, their liability as, as directors. Uh, but also one of the issues which, which came uh, a lot in the region in the last uh, few years is simply the integrity of financial statements. So again, uh, because boards are liable for the integrity of information and the accuracy of information, so now they are putting more and more emphasis on making sure that they do have uh, the right information in these financial statements. And, and finally, one of the things which regulators here in the region focus on is uh, disclosure and transparency. So, so now uh, there is more and more disclosure required from companies. Uh, and, and of course, um, boards have to be on top of that. I, they understand now that they are liable for this 
uh, if there's any violation that actually they are uh, the ones responsible for this so so they give a lot of attention to to uh, to disclosure requirements by their stock exchanges however i think one of the downside of this is we have seen in some companies in the region that the key focus for them is on you know on uh, director liability issues and on uh, requirements i mean in compliance in general at the expense of other things which the board have to be focusing on such as risk for example such as strategy so we have seen boards which uh, don't really mention a strategy that much uh, 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 along the year so you, you might have a whole year uh, going by and then the board discusses strategy maybe only once or something uh, so I, I mean what i'm trying to say is simply that because of the legal requirements and regulatory issues uh, some boards are obsessed by this by being in compliance and and the price is paid from uh, a strategy and and uh, uh, being sounding board and supporting the management as well that's interesting because I think most compliance people, you know, outside of the region would complain that the sort of pendulum has swung too far the other direction where compliance isn't getting enough attention compared to business strategy. So now, what, given this great concern about uh, board liability and compliance, what's the relationship typically been between the board and the compliance department? Uh, well, I mean, we can see different sort of models in the region happening in that respect. So, as I just mentioned, some boards focus mainly on compliance, uh, and, and that happens when, again, uh, regulators are heavy-handed. Uh, they have uh, severe penalties on companies which are not in compliance. So, we go to some countries and we, we, we interact with the boards, and we can see the agenda is very compliance-oriented. So, they are really trying to cover what is required from us and how can we be compliance with that. So some of the boards are like this. However, we, we can see also in some cases that boards don't really focus as much on compliance, uh, but maybe on operational issues. And that's where uh, regulators are not really very strong and they don't have teeth and, and they are not enforcing uh, uh, rules and, and regulations on, on the companies and boards. Uh, however, in all the cases, we, um, we see compliance as a very strong function. And in many cases, it's actually reported to the board directly. So what we have seen is, despite that it might not be the best practice you might think of, but in fact, in many cases, compliance function reports to the board directly. In some cases, that's actually even requirement by the Capital Market Authority. So in some countries, you see that it is mandated that compliance function has to be reported to the board and not to the CEO of the management of the company itself. Uh, so, so this is a nutshell what has been going on. And as I told you, the key uh, factor, which is, uh, differentiated between companies is simply the regulator and how uh, powerful the regulator is and the penalties which are associated with uh, uh, lack of compliance in some cases. Well, we've certainly seen regulators in the U.S. and increasingly in Europe as well pushing for there to be more of a direct relationship between the clients, uh, between compliance and the board. So, uh, good consistently there. But yes, you know, a lack of regulatory oversight can definitely dissuade that. Now. From your perspective, how can compliance professionals better serve the board on an ongoing basis? This is really a key issue. I think it's one of the weaknesses we have seen in, in companies in the region, even other regions as well, not just here in the MENA region. Uh, of course, as you just mentioned, according to the best practice, uh, boards are responsible for compliance. So uh, they have to make sure that their companies are in full compliance with laws and regulations and even sometimes best practices as well. So, so we understand from uh, the best practice is uh, this should be the rule of the board uh, of directors. 
Uh, it might not be happening, as I said, all the times because of uh, uh, lack of regulatory enforcement, but, but that, that's, that's really a key. So hence, I think that uh, compliance professionals in general, they have a very important role to play in educating the board of directors about you know, the rule and compliance and how can be they aware of their own uh, responsibilities in, in, in that respect. Uh, and, and they also need to help the board to design the right reports that will highlight the issues uh, for consideration by them. So if compliance function, they find that there are some sort of mispractices uh, from the management side on certain issues, uh, or transparency is not done correctly, or uh, there is lack of accountability in the company or, or, or some sort of violations, they need to uh, advise the boards on what are the questions they have to be asking and what kind of reports they can be uh, getting uh, in order for them to be in full control of the compliance function. So this is really something which is also important. Now, um, also compliance professionals, because we have seen some sort of, of um, not overlapping, but, but conflict, which happens sometimes between compliance and internal audits. Uh, so I think compliance professionals can also make the life of, of boards much easier if they have a good line of communication, which is open between them and internal audit function to make sure that you know we plan together we we agree together on uh, areas that, that we can focus on uh, if we are getting information we have to organize together because we have seen in some cases where internal audit will go to ask for information from different departments and then uh, later on a few days later you have the compliance person asking for some information as well so i think that creates some sort of issues so again uh, they can really make the life of the boards easier by having this uh, communication channel open with, with the, the, the internal audit function so that they uh, can, can do their job in a more effective way while saving the time of people in the company itself. And obviously the more efficiency, the better. Now you mentioned making the board's life easier. Um, when there's a crisis in the organization, things are very difficult obviously for the board and everyone. And the compliance officer is in a position where he or she has to bring bad news to the board. What should the compliance officer do to help earn the board's trust and gain its support you know, as the organization goes through this issue? Uh, I mean, the point of trust is extremely important, I have to say. Uh, and, and, and the challenging and the tricky part there is trust should be gained uh, well ahead of any crisis. So in fact, it has to be gained before a crisis strikes. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's, it's already too late in that respect. So I would say that, uh, that compliance officers and compliance uh, uh, professionals, they need to gain the trust of the boards uh, uh, you know, from day one. They need to be working very close with the board and so on. Um, and one of the key elements in that is simply that uh, they need to show that they care for the company. Uh, they care for the interests of the company and the shareholders. And they are not uh, trying to achieve some sort of personal glory or gaining more power. Or, or being number one at the expense of other people, or just reporting uh, uh, issues of lack of compliance in, 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 in a way to get back to the management, uh, or in way of revenge, or whatever it is. So, so this has to be consistent that they are really advising the board uh, sort of on, on issues, and they are brainstorming with the board, and they are supporting the management as well in how to comply better with different regulations and so on. A sort of close to the positive uh, um, uh, internal audit function, if you like, in, the, in that respect. Um, so honest advice for the board, uh, frank talks with the board and the management as well, and the objective reporting to the board about any issues and, and being partner in providing solutions and 
and giving advice to the management and to the board on, on compliance, that all actually that, that all makes a big difference. Um, and, and also compliance officers should have an excellent interpersonal skill. So, so they have to be able to communicate properly. Remember that the compliance officer is perceived sometimes as some sort of a policeman or something. Uh, um, and in that respect, if, if, if that perception continues between uh, the board management and, and the compliance, it's going to be a problem for them. So I think that's why compliance officers, they must have this, you know, interpersonal skills, communication skills. They are able to convey the messages. They are very positive, if you like, in, in, in giving feedback and so on. Uh, and, and that all builds, you know, the right environment and atmosphere, atmosphere for trust and, and, and for taking them seriously when a crisis strikes. Well, and trust is important both in good times and bad, but especially in bad. Well, uh, Ashraf Kamal, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletep from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>